You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to the show today. Got a good one for you. This is a this is a very spicy one. Well, it's not that spicy. It's good though, and you're gonna probably like become entranced with uh, Devon's voice because I remember just recording this podcast and being like, "Whoa, just could you just keep talking to me all day long and never and never stop?" That's uh, that's how I felt this whole time. It was a really fun episode though. He has a really cool story. If you have not seen his demos. Please slide over to the YouTube's. Type in Devin Bluehand or Devin Blue Whitaker. I think uh, I'll find it. I'll find the link. I'll stick it in the show notes. But either way, you've got to see his demos. They they transcend demos, in my opinion. They are singular art pieces all by themselves. They're so so cool. I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. And he was so fun to talk to. And you know, well, I should stop rambling and let you guys get to the episode. But before I do that, just want to remind you about an easy way to support the show with your already compulsive gear buying habits like you have. I know you do. If you're listening to this show, if you're anything like me, you you have those compulsive gear buying habits and you might as well put them to use. So if you're going to be doing any shopping on Reverb.com, don't forget to use the ToneMob.com slash Reverb link. That's ToneMob.com slash Reverb. And anything you do, whether it's just signing up for a new account, whether it's you know, like say, hey, you haven't heard of Reverb somehow? Like by now, I don't know how that would be possible, but I guess it's possible. I get people signing up through the link on the regular, so I guess it does happen. But if you, yeah, if you don't even want to buy anything, if you just want to set up a new account for the future, that helps the show too. They really appreciate that. So they they kick a few bucks my way for every new sign up. So Go ahead and take advantage of that if you have not already. And for those that have, thank you very much. It's a very easy way to keep wind in the sails of this weird pirate ship. So anyway, I'll stop talking and I'll let you talk to or listen to rather Mr. Devin Whitaker. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Devon Blue, one of my favorite demo people in the world. How's it going, man? <laughs> pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty, uh, pretty splendid. Pretty, uh, I'm getting ready to do a little video myself, but it's, uh, it's going to be a lot easier than what you usually do. Um, <laughs> just uh just a quick and dirty thing for the for the gram so um you know it's all all in good fun how about yourself what are you up to today other than podcasting with some moron <laughs> uh I'm editing as we speak editing another demo and then i gotta move on to the next one and um it seems like it's kind of a, a never-ending thing um thankfully 
Um, but right. Yeah. That's, that's what I got cooking. Right. Right at present. Nice. 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 So I, I have so many questions for you because you seemingly just kind of, at least as far as, uh, I, my perception of it is like, just kind of came out of nowhere and started making these like insanely, you like, uh, visually driven, um, I mean, I even hesitate to call them demos sometimes. They're really, they're, they're really art pieces in and of themselves. I mean, I feel like, you know, <laughs> Knobs was one of the first guys to kind of take that approach and then you've taken it and, uh, and not that, not that your formats are the same at all, but like he was one of the first guys to kind of make what I would consider art pieces as demos too. Right. Um, right. and you've kind of taken it to a whole, whole different level. So you mind like telling your backstory and how you got to be doing that? Wow. Yeah, it's it's actually a crazy one. It's 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 really weird. I mean, um for the bulk of my music career, I've always been a um session guitarist and I wanted to kind of break away from doing that and started I wanted to do my own music. And um I knew locally there wasn't really anyone that was kind of vibing with the the type of music that I was that I was into, so I thought I would go on to Instagram and start, you know, making videos and putting my own music out there. Um, and on a whim, just 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 for the sake of just doing something, I put on a pair of blue gloves and I did um, some sort of OP one kind of just video for the gram anyways it started doing well and then uh <laughs> i'll never forget it um tom from cooper effects the very first person to um who was a pedal builder that was like um into what i was doing uh, he hit me up and he said um i will send you a gin loss if you give me 30 seconds of uh, some video." And uh, no one had ever asked me to, to do video or to do anything, you know. So it was um, it, it was shocking, to say the least. And, um, you know, I thought, oh, this guy's going to send me a pedal, so I should, I should really make this video something. And sure enough, I, I went into it. I mean, I just, I made the best possible thing I could make for the time and had stop motion it just it had a bunch of things for it and um the video did pretty well and after that a bunch of other people started reaching out to me and um and then more and then more and then more and it's uh we've uh, i've arrived at this echelon to where every time i go to my front door there's a box of pedals. So it's, um, Ooh. yeah. So it's kind of cool. It's, it, it's cool, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's weird how, um, life kind of takes you places. Cause never in a million years would I thought of that I would be a videographer. It was just, um, it was a means really? to an end. Yeah, no, I've never, um, it, in fact, and um, I'm slightly embarrassed to to admit this. In fact, this will be the first place that I've actually admitted this to. But um, up until recently, um, all my videos were done on an iPhone. Even the stop motion stuff, just 
Um, I recently just got a cinema camera, probably about two, three months ago. Um, so everything for the longest time was shot on an iPhone until now and everything. And ultimately you can kind of tell the quality and video, but like, um, yeah. So that's amazing. And also I was going to say, it makes me feel dumb because I am in the same boat. Almost every video that I've done, uh, with the exception of a couple, uh, YouTube demos, um, that are pretty obviously not done on iPhone. Um, I'm the same way, but mine do not look like yours. <laughs> so I will say, even if that's not your background, you certainly have a talent for it. Like oh, you've, you've figured something out. And I've, I've, I've had a lot of people say things like, oh, I just do it with my phone. But the, the reality is, especially the new iPhones and stuff, I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty powerful. And they're much more powerful mm-hmm. than the high quality cinema cameras from even like five years ago or six years ago. So, I mean, I don't think that's anything to, to be ashamed of. No, no, no. It's definitely nothing to, um, to dismiss so easily. I mean, it's the, for the longest time I was just using my, uh, my iPhone and I mean, it does 4k fine. Um, the, um, the ultimate separation between like, you know, in terms of quality is knowing lighting and um, not using your phone for, for audio. So, you know, still micing right. up your amps, still, still doing all of that, still going into a nice audio interface, just solely using your phone or iPad, whatever it is you use just to collect mm-hmm. uh, video. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That is definitely key. That is, that is also my, my method. Um, so the first thing was the gen loss. And then what do you remember what the next was? I mean, it's just been, there's just been so many. Um, I know you've done, done videos for lots of my friends at this point. Has there any been, been any particular pedal that pulled something out of you you weren't expecting? Oh yeah. So the first official demo that I did was by uh, Drolo and it was the, the Stammen. And, um, that was the first, first official, official demo. Everything else was kind of just small little things for, for the gram. Um, that one, um, really kind of taught me about pacing. Um, and then the second video directly after that was the atmosphere by, uh, Dr. Scientist. I would say that oh, those man. two pedals, oh man, and that's such a great pedal. Like, <laughs> um, those two pedals actually, um, pretty, pretty much kind of formula formulated, um, how I would do videos. And it's such a weird thing because for the, um, what was it? So. I didn't do any, I don't think I did any talking during the Drollo one, but I did do some dialogue toward the, uh, toward the latter end of the atmosphere demo. And I got a bunch of comments from people and messages saying that they liked my voice and I should talk more. And I was like, mm-hmm. right, that's so weird. Um, uh, cause I, I've always thought that I just sound, uh, sleepy and nasally and just, um, boring. But um, no, that became a thing. In fact, you know, some of the pedal guys who would send me pedals, they like would request that like I say something or I speak in it. And so I was like, okay. So yeah, those two pedals were the ones that kind of more or less 
helped me figure out what I was going to be doing. Um, and one other pedal. It wasn't a demo, though. It was something that I did for Instagram. I did the, um, the Dark Aura. The Dark Aura by Haunted Labs. It's mm-hmm. this uh, crazy reverb pedal. So I did that for just for the gram, and I made it super cinematic. So I think it was just those those three things that kind of more or less helped me figure out um, how to approach things. That's very interesting. Yes, and your voice is is very like much part of the the show, so to speak. And that's not going to lie; that's part of the reason I wanted to get you on here, so I could just. Uh, expose that to this audience like it's a it, i feel like you should be narrating books or something um it's so funny I think, because i i hate my voice too i and i have to edit these and it's like <laughs> I, and i know it's not as bad as like what it is in my head i, I i've had to do a little research on this because i've found that 99 percent of people when they hear their recorded voice back to them they hate it and I didn't know why that was, because that seems weird, right? But it turns out it's because we don't hear ourselves the same way that everyone else does. And so when it comes back, it's like, oh, that's what people hear? You know, like, to me, I sound like I have a deeper voice than I do. Like, mm-hmm. and so when I hear myself back, it's like, wow, I, yeah, what am I, Pee Wee Herman? What's going on here? This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is strange, but... I guess it's tolerable, tolerable enough, but no, I think your, your voice is part of what is, uh, what is compelling about some of those things in, in a strange way, just even though it might not be that, that way for you. Right. Right. And, and, you know, you definitely have a, uh, radio disc jockey voice, like very, like you turn on the radio, like you forgot a radio voice. I hope it's not like too, too radio. I accidentally, I did a little thing on the last podcast where uh, I, I pretended to be Joe Branton from the Guitar Nerds for just a brief second on the, uh, on the intro. And it, it didn't sound like him. It just sounded like an American doing a British accent. But I had that weird vocal fry thing going on where it's like, hey, and it's like, oh, don't do that ever again. That's not a good, it's not a good sound. Uh, so hopefully it's hopefully it's not too bad that way you know i've tried to try to cut back on my cigarettes these days and maybe that'll help i don't know i don't smoke i'm just kidding but uh anyway so you've been a session musician for a really long time when did you first pick up the guitar um actually you know what i can't really say a really long time i've actually only been playing about like I've only been playing like about 30, not 30, um, like 13 years. So, um, I was, I was in, I was in college and, uh, going to mm-hmm. school for my degree in psychology. And, uh, I stumbled into a, a, a guitar class just, just on a whim. Um, cause I needed the class, the course or some sort of visual arts performance thing in order to transfer over to a bigger university. And um, the only class that would take me late in the semester was a guitar class. And uh, the teacher, Mr. Phillips, told me, bring a guitar and come on in and um, we will, uh, I'll get you in the class. So I said, okay, picked up some, you know, uh, nylon string uh, guitar from a pawn shop. And that very next day, 
he walked around the room. It was a room full of like yeah, 22 students. He made sure everybody's guitar was tuned. And he says, all right, we're going to play our first chord together. I'm going to count down. Three, two, one. And everyone strummed. So he counted down three, two, one. And everybody strummed at the same time. And it was, uh, it was E minor. I'll never forget it. And hearing an E minor in a small room like that, strummed by 22 students, uh, it was just, there was this resonance there. Uh, and for the first time in my life, I knew exactly what it was that I wanted to do. So I uh, spent every waking day, hour, minute, second, trying to master the guitar. And uh, I, I ended up getting lucky. Um, someone I know was a, uh, a producer for R&B, hip hop and stuff like that. And they asked me to play guitar for them. And I ended up playing guitar for Nicki Minaj. I ended up playing guitar for just, uh, man, a lot of people. Um, wow. It's, yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing, but it's super niche. Like, uh, the, the only problem with playing ambient guitar is that in most instances uh, it doesn't sound like guitar so you don't really get mm -hmm. credit for it you know uh, the producer gets credit for it it sounds like some sort of synth or some sort of something but um yeah 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 that's interesting that's that's fascinating 13 years is a is a while though that's that's a while that to, to have been playing yeah that. yeah yeah so it's it's you you've been doing it a long time. That's I know that's interesting. So did you? Yeah, you know your way around the fretboard. Good because I don't. I just kind of hit it and hope it. You know, hope it it it's right. <laughs> Cover it up with fuzz. It'll be okay. You know, I'll figure it out <laughs> eventually. Um, <laughs> so that's interesting because like you know most of the people I talk to like have worked in in rock usually in some capacity where obviously it's very apparent. The, the guitar is there um it's it's almost amazing how much guitar is in hip-hop and r&b and things that it isn't entirely obvious um from right. like the the artist perspective like do you find that like Nicki minaj or whoever was working you were working with at the time is that something they would like request like oh we need some guitar in here or or was that more of the producers that would steer that ship it was it was always the uh, it was always the producer, and um, and I never actually got a chance, unfortunately, to to meet Nicki Minaj. Nor did I know at the time that the song I was working on was gonna gonna go um, to her. Um, the the way that it works in like a lot of those Los Angeles sessions. I'm in Sacramento, California, so I'm a stone's throw away from Los Angeles, but. The way it actually works is, you know, they'll hire you for a day or a few days and you just um, play guitar for the entirety of that day. You know, sometimes it's like they have a track in mind and sometimes they would ask me to just play whatever. And um, at the end of one of those sessions, um, some weeks or months later, um, I had been contacted by the producer and they were like hey we need your ASCAP and BMI information we just sold this song to um, Nicki Minaj and um, and that was uh, that was really cool so it's yeah so to answer your question it's usually uh, the producer um, 
it's usually the producer. The producer is always the guy who gets me uh, in the door with um, artists or bands. Bands are a lot different than like um, R&B and hip hop guys. I have, I do get hired quite a bit to play guitar for bands and go on tour with them. But um, it's, it's, and it's completely different. It's so interesting how, how night and day it is. But um, yeah. What are some of the big differences? Well, like other than other than you just got pointed at you know, you described with part of the R and B process, <laughs> but like what are some major major things? Well, the the musicality of it is 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 far different for like R and B and hip hop based things. It's interesting because like um, the simplest thing goes a long way in R and B and hip hop. You know. Uh, guitar swell or a drone or a simple riff you know those things they can make the entirety of a song around you know two bars of something four bars of something whereas in rock and roll um or any kind of indie music you know like it, the music has to ebb and flow a lot differently. You know, it has to build up and build down, and the chord progression changes here, and then we're going to go from the major to the minor. And it's it's um it's a little bit more involved um, for 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 that um, instance of it. Um, but you know, it's um, I tend to prefer that a little bit more than the um, than the than the latter. So. Man. What kind of music do you listen to, mostly? Oh man, I listen to everything. <laughs> Everybody says that. I know Everybody the feeling. I listen to everything from Radiohead to Drake. I mean, I I love it all. I love it all, and I and I even love some weird, um, kind of obscure things. Um, music from I'm I love music from the seventies. That's my favorite. Um, that's my favorite. I, I wish that I was born and lived in that time because I feel like that's that's where I belong. But um, you it know, was a magical time, I think. It, it really was. It was. I mean, it's just. It was one of those times where it was like um, you could be an artist, and it was accepted in a way, you know. And most of those people weren't mm -hmm. thinking in terms of like, I'm going to do this to be rich. We're going to do this to be rich. It was just, we're doing this to create. We're doing this for the love of creating something. Um, so it was, um, man, it was an interesting time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think some, some of the most inspirational stuff ever came out of that time period. And, you know, right. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the things that were going on in the world at the time. It was a, it was a really dynamic era. There was a lot going on music wise and just in general, you know? Um, and I, in a lot of ways I, though, I, I think, I think we're in a similarly uh, interesting time, uh, you know, with, with whatever's going on in the world. Um, it's changing so fast right now and everything, everyone's having a, is struggling to keep up. And I honestly believe that, you know, with technology and things back then, I think they were experiencing a similar phenomenon, you know, um, with what 
just what mainly with technology and people's access to it. And I think we're seeing a similar revolution right now. And I wonder if maybe we're living in a, a golden era of sorts for music as well, because it's, it's never been more accessible for more creators to create and put things out there than it has before. It, I was just talking yesterday on a podcast with the Matt from Mule Resonator Guitars about how there's quite possibly like like a Bob Dylan somewhere that no one's ever heard. He's just got a bunch of basement tapes or a bunch of basement recordings. And mm. right now it seems more possible that that's happening than than maybe ever before just because of people's access to it. Right, right. And I mean, it's more likely though that there are thousands of Bob Dylans out there than, than there is one. Um, That's true. There is an oversaturation of um, muted musicians um, and artists in general um, nowadays. So it, it wouldn't be too outlandish to believe that, you know, there's another um, Bob Dylan or, you know, Hendrix um, out there, you know, amongst us, um, you know, relative to the times, uh, obviously. But, um, right. you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, right now, our generation, uh, in terms of musicality, we have access to like such a great breadth of um, of different types of content. You know that our predecessors didn't have. You know, it used to be mm -hmm. like, you know, um, you would want to hear a song or really figure out how a song works and like they put on some vinyl and listen to it and take it back and you know nowadays it's like you want to learn something you just type it into a search engine and someone else has already figured out the uh, tab for you there's also music instructions there's a tutorial there's a demo there's a downloadable P pdf there's you know it's um <laughs> it's like everyone has the capacity um to arrive at that echelon to where they themselves can be a savant, you know? So it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Do you think that that, uh, do you think that that kind of like, I don't know what the word would be exactly allows for a little bit of mediocrity to shine through. Whereas back in the day, it was kind of really only those that really wanted it and really put in the work. What, what do you think about that? Well, to that, I would say mediocrity has always existed, even back in those times. But the difference, the, the, the greatest deviance being that mediocrity doesn't last long. You know, when you look back at like, you know, the Zeppelins and, and things like that, you have to consider that there was hundreds of other bands playing, too who go, who remain true. Uh, yeah. nameless. It's just we don't know who they are because, again, uh, time pretty much destroys mediocrity or lays claim to it in a way. So, um, you know, a lot of things that are happening now in the world, musically and, and otherwise, things that we think are unique to this time really aren't. Um, just recently I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a writer, <clears throat> excuse me, and he was telling, I was telling him, I was like, man, you know, it's, Technology, the the advancement in technology now is it's increasing at a rate in which it's never increased before. He said, "No, that's not true." 
It says, you know, he's told me that I was making the mistake of like living within this bubble. And he says, his grandfather, and this, this gentleman is, is older than I, he, he told me, um, his grandfather, when his grandfather first came to California, they came to California in, uh, wagons. It was a long time ago. They came to California in wagons and they farmed their land. Wow. Then, then the car, car was created in the airplane. And then before he passed away, he was able to see the first man land on the moon. So he says, really, when you think about it, like the total amount of advancement that happened within, you know, his grandfather's time exceeds anything that we've seen at present, or at the very least it mirrors it in a way. But, um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, you know, yeah. That is interesting. That is an interesting perspective because I think it's generally accepted knowledge by most people that technology is indeed increasing at an exponential rate. But perhaps that 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 is twisted a bit. It's just, it maybe the rate is uh, essentially the same. It's just we're coming from a different starting place. You know, you and I, by the time we were born, we were already flying. You know, we'd already been to the moon. We already had satellites up in space. So it's kind of like saying that, like, the guy who invented the wheel is not as intelligent as the guy who invented, you know, space travel or guy. You know what I mean? The the people that invented either of those things, which isn't really true. They both had to be innovative in a way that humankind had never seen before. So that's a that's an interesting perspective that is that, that that does make. That does hold water. That makes some sense to me. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a real interesting paradox, you know. Like, and and you said it right. That like that was a really great um that, that was a real great way of saying it. You know, the difference between the person who created the wheel and then the person who you know created the first spaceship. And I mean, we look at things right now um, in terms of like all oh, this new app that came out that does this and that for me. Man, technology has never been better. But then you think about the Wright brothers and uh, you think about Armstrong, you, you think about all of those things and then you compare that to what's happening now. And it's like, hmm, it really kind of just makes you, it kind of humbles you in a way. It makes you realize mm-hmm. that, you know, what's happening now has happened on a much larger scale before. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. It is interesting. It's also interesting that that you and I have wrapped our lives up in what is essentially, you know, what I old technology. Um, I mean, the pedals and the effects and and things are kind of outliers from that. But an electric guitar is not exactly what uh, most most uh, scientists would call an advanced piece of technology. <laughs> but yet it's a special piece of technology somehow. Um, I don't, I, you know, if, if I'm not, if I'm making any sense, it's got, it's almost like sometimes you don't need to advance too much further for it to be impactful, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Right. No. And it's, um, some things, yeah, some things stay the same. And I mean, uh, ultimately some things will inevitably always be a means to an end, you know, like, um, so it's cell phones won't go away anytime soon, you know. Um, right. 
So it's it's kind of like that, <clears throat> you know, and pedals and, and guitar pedals. And even though we've got like the technology to have, you know, have it all on our phone, there's just something a little bit more um, viable about having it under your foot. Something you can step on. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's visceral in a weird way. It's a, it's, I've started to view, you know, the crazy electric rigs that I set up as, as almost a little bit of a different thing than a standard electric guitar. You know, I'm starting to view them a little bit more like a, their own instrument. Um, when you combine things and when you combine them in certain ways, it's, you're creating these new sounds that have honestly for never been done before, you know, just with the effects that you and I have in our collection, like we have unlimited possibilities with what the sound, the sounds that we can make with these things that, and they've never been, they've never existed before um, mm -hmm. sonically. And that's exciting to me. I think it's, I think it's interesting. Um, but we've talked about the, the effects and things quite a bit. Cause that's obviously a big focus of both of ours, but what about the rest of your rig? What's a, uh, What's your guitar collection and uh, and your go-tos look like? Oh, wow. Um, so I've, I've kind of scaled it down quite a bit uh, recently. But, I mean, I go as far back as a 63 uh, Silvertone Silhouette um, all the mm, way to yum. a... I know, I know. And it's the, with the gold foil pickups. Um, those pickups are pretty much just glorified microphones because i mean you can talk into them and it'll, it'll pick it up uh, clearer than anything else uh, that i own um and i i love that uh, i love that guitar mm -hmm. i don't use it as much um i've got a weird uh i want to say it's some sort of it's a it looks like a telecaster uh but it's got uh it's lightning blue with white racing stripes and it's uh all one wood so it doesn't have a bolted on neck and um, oh yeah it's a weird it's a weird guitar it came out man it came out like right when i first started playing guitar in fact it was like the second guitar that i bought and uh, i've had it since then but it, it was a special edition fender guitar i do know that and um they they never made any more beyond that, so I still have it. Um, I've got a few of the Supros, you know, a few of the older Supros that I that I enjoy. Again, I don't really play them; they kind of just hang on the wall. Um, I've got a custom shop Telecaster, um, hangs on the wall. <laughs> my two, my two go-to guitars. Um, at, for one, the one guitar that I've, I've done all my session work with was a uh, 60th anniversary um, Fender Hi Strat Highway, Fender Highway. Um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, blonde. Um, that's been like my, my go-to for years. But recently, I just got a um, reverberation sent to me from uh, Pure Salem Guitars. and um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that thing is it's it's pretty killer. Uh, I've been using it for I think maybe my last four demos. Um, it's been it's been the the guitar that I use for for those, and probably will be my uh, demo guitar 
going forward unless unless something else um, drops into my lap. But yeah, no, that's going to be my uh, demo demo guitar for the foreseeable future. But for my own music, uh, probably the Strat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a classic for a reason. You know, I need I still have yet to uh, find a Strat that I just fell head over heels in love with yet. But admittedly, like Strats for me, for whatever reason, and I, I, I'm not really, this doesn't make any sense because I'm a big Les Paul guy, but like in my head, when I picture guitar, I picture a Stratocaster. And I'm that weird person that's like, well, I got to go against that a little bit. I got to have something strange. But I, you know, like I said, that's kind of dumb because I play Les Pauls a lot and I really like Les Pauls and that's just as ubiquitous. So I don't really know where that thought process entered my head or why it's there, but nothing else sounds like a strat, man. I think everybody needs one in their, in their stash at some point if they can, oh, yeah. uh, myself included. Yeah. They have to have one. In um, what about phone? amplifiers? What does, what does the rest of your chain look like? Um, so I've got a, uh, 68 Fender, uh, Fender Twin, um, not the black face, just the, uh, the silver face. Um, and I love that thing. For the longest time, that was actually <laughs> my session amp. And uh, it oh, was wow. so, yeah, I know. It was, so, it was so heavy. That thing is like 80 pounds. Um, but I would yeah, drag it around it's a beast. with me everywhere. I put wheels on it. I would wheel it around. And finally, I just got like, man, I just need something, something a little smaller. So I got the Fender Supersonic and uh, I had a mm-hmm. friend go through it for me. And we, um, we changed a lot of the, he just kind of went through and changed a lot of stuff in there for me. And we modded it. It's got a plexiglass back on it, a pretty inch, a thick plexiglass back and it does make a difference in terms of the sound it's like the sound goes out of the back and then smacks forward um and a uh custom reverb tank in that one and that thing sounds amazing yeah i love that i also have a kosh i think that's k-o-c-h k-o yeah i'm not familiar with that well, it's this uh, little boutique amp company that uh, makes amps out of the Netherlands. So it that's um, cool. Oh yeah, man! Like the the wood on that is like about uh, I would say like two inches, like almost two inches thick. It's pretty thick wood in the cab, and it has a little matching cab with it. So it's a combo amp with a little matching uh, cab for it. Um, then I've got a custom shop uh vendor blues uh blues jr where again you know i let a friend kind of go through it and change some stuff and changes out the reverb tank and um, all of that um and then the last amp and it's the amp that i've probably been using on my most recent demos it's a um it's this amp by this local builder called uh modern vintage he built this amp for me out of a um an old radio from like the uh, from like the sixties or late sixties, early seventies kind of thing. So um, that's what I'm rolling with these days. I do want to go back to talking about the guitars because you and I have a similar friend 
Um, and that's uh, in uh, Paul Rooney. Um, oh, yes. He lived here in Sacramento. Yes. And he and I jammed several times. He plays drums, interestingly enough. So we would go, I would go up to his little shop where he would build his, his guitars. And uh, I'd get to see all of the guitars he was working on. And I get to try them out. And, um, and then we would jam. And it, it really broke my heart when he stopped making guitars. Because the Oceana is, that's uh, the only guitar yes. that I would I would stop playing a Fender for like that guitar. It's just, it's, it's perfect. It looks perfect. It sounds perfect. And it's something to watch him kind of just sanding it, you know, sanding it down and putting it together. Uh, and it's like, man, I'll never be able to own one. I, I, you know, I, I kind of pick at him every so often. Like, Hey, are you gonna, you gonna get back into it? Are you gonna, you know, but, um, I mean, who knows? I think everyone does. <laughs> I think everyone's, everyone everyone's pestering him. Um, we actually did a podcast uh, a few weeks ago, Paul and I did. Well, maybe a, maybe a couple months ago at this point. I'm not, I'd have to look at the dates. But uh, he actually really went into that. And um, it was for Patreon originally. But I'm probably going to... Uh, the Patreon folks have already gotten a chance to listen to that. And I, I'll probably put it out here in a couple months because I... There are so many people that ask me because I'm very, very like count my lucky stars to uh, fortunate that I own an Oceana uh, Imperial. And uh, it's one of my very favorite, most treasured guitars. I love it's the one I play the most by by a pretty wide margin. I play all of my guitars pretty frequently, but that one is is the one I I gravitate towards and uh I love it so much, and I yeah, I feel very fortunate that I was able to get one from Paul before he before he paused. I think it, I would consider it a pause because I think he's not that old, you know what I mean. And I I could definitely see him getting back into it on some level at some point. I just don't know when that will be because he's uh, he's pretty happy right now doing what he's doing. But that is crazy. I didn't know you guys had played together. That's that's so cool. Mm-hmm. This is this is an interesting. Uh, small world type of experience that's crazy um, right. i wonder if what what time period was that in i wonder if he was working on my guitar while you guys were doing that might have been actually because yeah i do remember a, a a blue one that he had finished and was sending out so it it's it was it was a few years ago um i would say like um some years ago yeah i, I don't remember the date i know it's it's not the only blue one in existence, but it it is the only blue one with a with a gold mastery uh, tremolo and bridge on it. Because at the time, mastery was not doing gold, and Paul actually went and had those actually just plated for me because I so badly right. wanted the gold hardware to go with that right. blue. Right, right, and then I think he ordered um, a few more after that or something like that and he was gonna put him on another guitar it was it was a long time ago but yeah no i i'm i'm pretty sure uh i'm pretty sure i was i was around that time because not too much longer um that's when he left sacramento altogether i would say like six months to a year from from then he left sacramento so yeah around then so yeah it's it's very possible that i played your guitar before you did you probably did. 
That's yeah. that's why it's so magic. You put the sauce <laughs> on it. You put the you put the spices in there. Made right. it made it magic. <laughs> uh, it's uh there was actually lots of people that played it before I did, which is kind of funny. Um, they're all friends, so it's fine. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, there was a uh, I think it was at Cowerfest, like the um the the last Cowerfest that Paul would have been at. Um, right. For those that don't know, Doug Cower of Cower Guitars uh, has a Cowerfest. Not every year, but he's done it several years. Um, and yes, I, I got a picture of uh, somebody sent me a picture of Steve from Sixty Cycle Hum playing my guitar before I got to, and I know a bunch of other people sweated all over it too. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I I don't know. I don't care. You know, there were, it's, it showed up and it was perfect. So uh, what do I care if somebody played it first, you know? Right. Um, right. Yeah. That was actually, yeah, that, that carapace was the last uh, one that um, Paul was at before he left and his band that he was in at the time, I believe they actually played that. I think I, I, oh. I'm not sure. I, yeah. He was, he was in a band with another friend of mine in fact that's how i ended up meeting paul is we we had a uh, we had a mutual friend and um, he's like man you got to come by and jam and, and and that's how that all happened but yeah i believe his band played that um i'm not sure though i don't i don't remember but yeah yeah that was just like i hadn't been involved i think i you know i maybe had like maybe 30 or 40 podcasts out at, at that point was so I, I didn't I hadn't even really been involved in the quote unquote gear world for that long at that at that point and it's it's weird to me that that because that doesn't feel like that long ago um like mentally but at the same time everything has changed for me um since then it's it's a a completely different world than I was existing in at the time. At that time, I was recording podcasts uh, in the lab where I worked um, during downtime. <laughs> so it was like it, 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 it's the craziest thing to like now be sitting out here. And I think I was I was building this uh, little the shred shed at the time, and everything's just gone bonkers um, <laughs> in ways I never really expected. Um, but how is like is is the gear world different than like the professional musician world in your in your perspective because it seems very different to me like it, it I, is it's it's it, a, like a different focus in some ways it it really is different i mean there's there's a huge departure from the the ah, i mean cuz i mean uh, all muse i mean uh, <sighs> A professional musician is a professional musician, um, but that being said, um, in most studios, um, when I arrive with a pedal board, even when it's you know like an indie rock kind of kind of studio, most more often than not, they have no idea what's on my board or what it is. They're like, "What is that? What does that do?" Mm -hmm. Um, I was in a session with, uh, in, in Oregon, actually in Portland, Oregon with Chris Crummett. He's the producer out there. He, um, he produces a bunch of bands, um, and, um, got all kind of awards and stuff like that. And, um, 
That's cool. He, yeah, yeah, he's got guitars all over the walls, uh, amps all over the place. And I bring my pedal board. And he's like, "What's that? What's that? What's that do? What's that? What's that?" So it's it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing. So it's like you know, there there is a huge separation between you know that that type of musician and the 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 gear enthusiast, um, you know. But um, but then on the same token, you've got guys like Anthony J. Resta who did um, produce stuff for Megadeth, Duran Duran, and so on. Just like countless artists. Countless. Oh yeah, I follow him on Instagram. Yeah. I know you're talking. Yeah, yeah. He he hit me up and found one of my uh, found one of my demos, and now we we chat faithful faithfully, and he knows all about. It all kinds of gear he's got a huge freaking collection i mean that guy's got some he's got some cool toys and he's really into the pedals so it's um i would say that in the professional world the amount of musicians who are gear enthusiasts is pretty low i would say it's 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 pretty mm-hmm. low yeah 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 that's that seems that's that's what I'm seeing too. I think it's getting bigger though. I think it is. It is. I think as the pedal culture kind of expands, because it is its own culture at this point. It's, it's guitar crazy. pedals. Yeah. It's so insane. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I love it. I'm part of it. I'm involved in it and I wholeheartedly endorse it. Um, I've gotten a lot of, of, lot of pleasure out of it and a lot of enjoyment personally from it as well as professionally. But, um, I mean, it's so crazy that that I, I don't know. This is finally kind of public. I've I've talked about it a few times, but Reverb's actually doing a documentary about it right now, specifically about guitar pedals and pedal culture. And they're like going around and interviewing various folks from you know basically from the gear world, which is a is such a weird thing to say, you know, because like we use these tools to create music, but yet professional musicians aren't necessarily always involved in the gear world. And I think that's why people like Sarah Lipstate are so interesting because she's definitely in both camps, like right. very solidly. And, uh, mm-hmm. and there's a, a few others, Nick Reinhardt, I guess would be one too. There's several. Um, and then yourself, you know, is it's, it's kind of funny. You came out of the, not, you did not like you left it, but you came from the professional musician world and, and stumbled into the gear world. And it's this whole, the separation is strange, but I think the walls are starting to get broken down a little bit. Like I'm trying to anyway, at least the best I can. You're 100% right in that, you know? Um, and, and it's, and it's, it's an interesting time though for it too. And I mean, it's, it's a really big movement for it. I mean, you gotta think about it like this. I was at, um, NAMM a few years ago and, um, you see these indie rock artists who you love and you idolize and you see them go up to Chase Bliss and they are gushing. They are gushing. So this artist mm-hmm. that you've loved and followed is gushing over Joel Cordy. And you're like, Joel, yeah. no, Joel, I talk to Joel all the time. Joel's right. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting how like it's kind of becoming its own thing. And you're starting to see um, playlists that are dedicated to it. You're starting to see a lot of uh, even Instagrammers who are who have playlists that are that are kind of more or less you know, relegated to um, 
you know, Instagram artists is, is another thing. And then pedal mm-hmm. enthusiasts, gear enthusiasts. So it's becoming a thing. Like now, the, even in terms of demos, they call us demo artists. You should just be, you know, you're just some guy making a, you know, tutorial or a review of this thing. But now it in and of itself is becoming an art form. Yeah. It is. I mean, well, especially when you get to the level that you're doing things. <laughs> I mean, it, oh. how could it be considered anything else, you know, at, at that point? It's you're not just showing what it does. You're showing what it does in a really unique way from your own perspective that is unlike what anyone else is going to produce. And I think that's I think that's really interesting. And I think it's I think people are realizing that it, you know, the pedal up in the right hand corner uh, and, you know, the guy on the left, you know, which is exactly the kind of video I'm going to make here later today. uh, So I'm not bashing it at all is it's, it's just like, while those are extremely useful, like from my perspective, you know, there's guys that do it way better than I do. You know, I'm never going to be able to make a demo like that as good as Andy Martin ever. Like he's just a beast of a player. He knows exactly what to do. He's been doing it I mean, much credit goes to him for like this weird culture, honestly, like pro guitar shop and him back in the day really changed the game for people. And, uh, and I, I just, I really appreciate it when there's somebody, you know, doing things, you know, unique and fresh and, and there's this whole crop of, of demo artists, like you said, that are, that are popping up now. Who are some of your favorites? I should ask you that. I think I like them all. I mean, it's it's a weird thing because I like them all for different things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, I like I like Andy and a bunch of pedals. When I want to know mm-hmm. how a, I want to know how a, pe- a pedal works, when I want to just know how it works, I'll go to either a bunch of pedals or you know Andy, and then um, watch. Um, if I'm in a mood for some music, I'll probably listen to knobs. My happy medium mm-hmm. is probably pedal zone because he's kind of in the middle of, uh, kind of Andy and in the middle of knobs, like you get like the kind of artistic art, artsy, interesting music, but then he kind of goes into it and tells you how it works. I like specter demos. I like Oh and, yeah, I just found him. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, his stuff is so it's so it's 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 so oddly satisfying because it's like he's got a bell yes. or something. <laughs> just he's got a box and there's something he's dropping in the box and it's channeling into the pedals. So like I, I like that for the for for the oddity of it. And then he's got an interesting pacing. Yeah. yeah so um mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much all of those guys are great. I mean, it's, and there's only really, I mean, there's only really a kind of a handful of us now, but um, they're all really good. It's a tight knit community. I really like what Anne's doing too. Um, She's doing really good stuff too. Uh, I'm I'm terrified that I'm going to mispronounce her last name though. (laughs) That's why I didn't. Is Is that right? I, it's, I, I hope I didn't butcher that. She's coming on the show. She can correct me. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I really like what she's doing too. Um, it is this. It's this. It's this weird. 
it's hard to explain to people that aren't in directly involved if if that makes any sense um uh, right i don't know right. what it is i feel like there's some magic happening that's what i feel like uh, you know there is it, it it really is like i mean when you uh, more into that like um quote unquote professional musician versus the gear enthusiast, which I, I mean, like we, we've said earlier, like the, the line between the two are, are indelible. And in most instances it bleeds over, but like, um, you know, when you would try to explain to the, the quote unquote professional musician, what, what it is, you know, that Anne is doing or what myself is doing, they're just kind of like, what is that? I don't, I don't get it. You know? Um, but without realizing that there's a huge movement of, um, you know, musicians and then just music lovers that are actually, you know, loving those things and taking stock of those things. Because we're, we're at this point right now where there has to be some sort of musical revolution because we're tired. I think everybody's kind of tired of the top 40, top 20 songs that just plays over oh, and yes, over please. and over and over again at nausea you know it's just something else please <laughs> so i think that's why <laughs> we're starting to see the demo guys kind of you know people are kind of taking notice to those things and um you know it's it's funny because as by virtue of it it's like you know i'm releasing my own album now that i know that there's enough interest in what it is that i do and who I am and uh, it's it's all by virtue of this this singular thing you know that it's given me the confidence to actually do music for for myself you know I mean you know it's it's different it's completely different because you have spent so much of my life playing guitar for other people that you know when it's time now now it's time I'm afforded the opportunity to play for myself when is that coming out? Um, we wanted to push it up um, in January, but um, I've made um, we've made a business decision to kind of hold off on it because I've taken a, I've been uh, featured on a few uh, pretty prominent albums that are kind of coming out for for some cool artists and. The idea is that their work will generate a significant wave um, in in that I won't have to come out. Because uh, when you go to push out your music, the worst thing you could do nowadays is just, I mean, it's fine to do it. But like if you're trying to uh, recuperate on your investments of time and monetary investments, the, the best thing you can do is have like a good strategy and be ready to put some money behind it it's just unfortunately of course the way it is um but the benefit to coming out with my things a little bit later is that these other people who i've been featured on as a featured artist when they go to put their thing out invest their money into it that means it's just that much less work that i have to do when it's time for me to to push mine so i'm hoping maybe by march um may i i don't i don't really know it kind of depends on the numbers and um i might be releasing a single still in january um but um yeah gonna be doing something 
We'll be doing it. Well, I'm looking forward to that. So keep me posted. I'll yeah. uh, definitely share it around as much as I, you know, not that that means a whole lot, but I, <laughs> I'll do my best because <laughs> I like what you do and I'm excited to hear what you have coming. Oh, yeah, man. Well, um, we've reached almost the end of the podcast here and I've got a couple uh, classic questions to wrap this episode up if that's if that's cool with you. Sure, sure, please. All right. The first one is, what is your favorite boss pedal? They have this new pedal out, the synthesizer pedal. It's this blue one. It just came out. Um, yeah, I think at Summer Nam it came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably one of my favorites. But if we're going historical, if we're going back, um, I would say probably the, I would say the DD6. All right. That's a solid pull. DD6 yeah. is great. Great yeah, pedal. Yeah. All right. DD6. We'll mark it down. Another one for the <laughs> DD6. You know, Bosch should really sponsor this podcast since I ask that question every time. Never thought of that till just now. Maybe I should stop asking that question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I may know a guy who knows a guy for you. Oh. oh. We'll, get yeah. to, we'll have to talk off the air. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, last question. Here we go. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Pepperoni. You just, man, you it's can't hard to go wrong. Classic. You, you just, I, it, they created something special. <laughs> when it was the pepperoni <laughs> and cheese pizza, like it was just, for me, all of the stars align perfectly with a pepperoni pizza. I, in fact, Every time, anytime, pepperoni. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pepperoni. I like yeah. it. I like mm -hmm. it a lot. Well, thin crust, thick crust, we've got to have with the, the audience is really going to grill me if I don't, you know, get a little more detail. I out of you. don't care. <laughs> that's how, uh, that's how, just give me the I pizza. Have. Just, just, just <laughs> slide it my way. It, it does not matter. Um, and it doesn't matter where it comes from. I love pizza. I don't care. I don't care. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. That's so good. Yeah, pepperoni is a, it is a magical thing. I, I, mm -hmm. I there's mm -hmm. very, very few people. Mm -hmm. I would venture as far as to say almost nobody who isn't vegan that doesn't like a pepperoni pizza. It's very, very rare to find somebody <laughs> who doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've played with the idea of going, uh, vegetarian before and, um, I can give it all up except for pepperoni pizza. That's the one thing that I just, <laughs> it won't happen. It won't happen. No. It just, it's too, it's too good. It nah. is too good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you on the interwebs or otherwise? And uh, this is your chance to say whatever you want to say to wrap this podcast up. Um, well, I mean, uh, 
I can be found in the usual places. So Instagram, um, I, Instagram's probably the place where like um, I get more DMs. So if people want to speak to me or ask me questions, uh, you know, um, Instagram's probably the best place. So just send me a DM and I answer all questions about um, gear or anything else. Or a lot of people send me their songs and ask me to play guitar on them or sing on them. So like usually Instagram's the best place. So I can be found there at um i think it's devon blue whitaker um whitaker is w-h-i-t-a-k-e-r so d-e-v-o-n-b-l-u-e-w-h-i-t-a-k-e-r and uh, my instagram channel where i post all my demos and things of that nature that that's under devon blue whitaker as well all right it sounds good Check him out, guys. If you haven't seen his demos, uh, fix that immediately, and uh, <laughs> and you'll be happy that you did. All right, for Devon, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There we go. We can put a fork in that one. It's officially done. Yes, it is. Make sure you slide over and, and check out his YouTube videos if you haven't done that already. I know I've said that like 400 times on this episode, but seriously, I can't reiterate it enough. They're so cool to me. I love them. I love them to, I love them to death. They're so, so good. And let's see, what else do we got? Oh yeah, this is dropping just before Christmas, so Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and all that jazz for everybody. I hope you're just going to have the best time and you're going to get all of the pedals that you asked for. I'm sure you asked for just a ton of pedals. I can only imagine that's what all the listeners of this show do. But anyway, if you need more of this delicious, delicious content, we slid over to Patreon and did some more. So if that's your thing, you can go to patreon.com slash tone mob and there's new episodes there published alongside of the regular episodes every week. So sometimes they're extended interviews, sometimes it's demos, like audio demos, sometimes it's me and Justin Porter just hanging out in the shred shed and talking about gear and nonsense Either way, there is more content over there for you every week, and that starts at just five bucks a month if that is your thing. And thank you to everyone who is already supporting over there. I really, really appreciate that. All right, I think that's enough nonsense for me. I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday, and everybody's great, and I will talk to you next week. Coming at you with a fresh one. All right, later. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you, that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say... 
based out of Bend, Oregon. But guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.